Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is September 6th, 2021. The parking lot of our local high school is fortified by great ranges of speed bumps. These ancient mounds of asphalt were erected in the distant past by school authorities, presumably as a tribute to the precision and focus demonstrated by our town's youngest drivers. Over the years, these speed bumps have contributed to jarred nerves, spilt cups of coffee and scraped mufflers, and they've been roundly cursed by teachers, students and parents alike. However, it must be said that by slowing down our most enthusiastic and least experienced drivers, they have served a useful purpose. The summer of 2021 has seen more than its fair share of speed bumps on the road to pandemic recovery. The Delta variant, combined with low vaccination rates, has pushed COVID-19 confirmed cases once again to over 150,000 per day, slowing the service sector recovery. Severe supply shortages have cut into light vehicle sales and other consumer and business spending. And a steady wave of grim news concerning Afghanistan, hurricanes and wildfires have eroded consumer confidence. These are all negatives, and there is untold human pain in the stories that are broadcast in the evening news each night. The only slight silver lining is that going into this summer, the biggest threat to the US economy and financial markets was that the recovery would be so rapid and so strong as to cause the economy to overheat. The speed bumps we've encountered this summer have significantly reduced this risk. This is particularly evident as we look on f- further on out. Every year at about this time, I extend my short-term macroeconomic model out a further year. And looking forward, not just at next year, but out to 2023, it now appears more likely that the economy will glide down to a slow but steady expansion. There are, of course, plenty of risks to this view. The Delta variant may not represent the last assault by the virus, and worsening fatalities could reverse some reopening trends. The global economy may also be more sluggish in the near term, either due to COVID or policy choices made by overseas governments. The the forecast presumes some further fiscal stimulus for the passage of both the infrastructure bill and a trimmed-down reconciliation bill by the end of the year. Any political stalemate which results in a fiscal cold turkey could put the economy in recession, as would a failure to raise the debt ceiling. Asset prices are high by historical standards, and a sharp correction could undermine economic growth or some other as yet unimagined factor could injure the expansion. The history of the last 20 years serves as a reminder of the potential for entirely unanticipated shocks to profoundly alter both the direction of the nation and financial markets. That being said, the biggest question mark still hovering over the recovery is the balance between aggregate demand and aggregate supply. And our recent problems have reduced the risk of excess demand leading to runaway inflation and interest rates. The first step in producing a macroeconomic forecast is sizing up the components of aggregate demand, namely consumer spending, investment spending, government spending, and net exports. Following back-to-back quarters of more than 11% annualized growth, we now expect consumer spending to grow by less than 3% in the third quarter. One big reason for this has been supply chain issues, which have decimated auto inventories, causing consumers to postpone vehicle purchases. However, the Delta variant has likely also had a significant direct impact, slowing the recovery in the leisure, entertainment and hospitality industries and contributing to a sharp fall in consumer confidence. Going forward, however, we expect confidence in spending to revive 
as the latest pandemic wave wanes and reopening continues. In addition, while job growth may be slower going forward than over the past year, we expect wage gains to be strong, and this should be supplemented by a continuation of tax credits and other federal government aid. Finally, it should be noted that consumer finances are in unusually strong shape, with big gains in home values and financial assets. Investment spending should be a major driver of economic growth over the next two years. Construction spending may be somewhat constrained by a slower return to the office and effects of a lingering pandemic on retail, lodging, entertainment and recreational space. However, investment spending on equipment and software should be very strong as businesses try to deploy labour-saving equipment in a higher-wage, low-interest-rate environment. In addition, rebuilding inventory should provide a significant boost to the economy, perhaps spaced out over most of the next two years as global manufacturing slowly works through supply chain issues. Direct federal government spending is likely to increase only slowly over the next two years. However, both state and local government spending should increase more rapidly due to strong revenue growth and the lagged effect of federal government stimulus. Finally, we expect trade to be a relatively neutral factor in driving growth, as economic recovery in the US and overseas results in parallel gains in exports and imports. Adding up the pieces of demand suggests real GDP growth of close to 5% in the second half of 2021 and the first half of 2022, and then slowing to a roughly 2-2.5% pace thereafter. One important question is, what will this mean for the job market? While the August jobs report was a disappointment, showing the addition of just 235,000 non-farm payroll jobs, it's clear that this reflects a a lack of labour supply more than a lack of labour demand. In particular, even this slower pace of job growth was sufficient to boost average hourly earnings for production workers by 5 tenths of a percent, or 4.8% year over year. This higher wage growth, combined with the expiration of enhanced unemployment benefits at the start of this month, should elicit some increase in labour supply. However, the labour shortage is likely to continue throughout the next few years, as a combination of baby boom retirements and limited immigration makes it difficult to find qualified workers. Overall, we expect employment to be up 3.4% year-over-year in the fourth quarter of this year, but then up just 2.2% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2022, and 1.4% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2023. This would cut the unemployment rate to 3.5% by the fourth quarter of 2023. Strong productivity growth has been one of the hallmarks of the pandemic recession recovery, with output per worker rising at a 3.7% annualized pace in the 18 months ended in the second quarter of this year. Businesses may well be able to bank most of these short-term gains. However, with recovery slowing, it's unlikely that productivity will continue to surge. While investment spending should be strong, productivity gains from this source will take some time to materialize, and we expect output per worker to rise by just 1.1% over the course of 2022 and 0.8% over the course of 2023. Combined with the growth in employment, this suggests real growth of 6% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2021, sipping to 3.3% over the following year and 2.2% in the fourth quarter of 2023. If the economy does follow this path, then most, but not all, of the current inflation surge in the economy should abate. Even assuming moderate inflation of between 2 and 3 tenths of a percent per month between now and December, the year-over-year inflation rate, as measured by the personal consumption deflator, could average 4.6% in the fourth quarter. Inflation should moderate in 2022 as supply chain disruptions are ironed out and demand grows more slowly. However, a number of factors should conspire to keep inflation more elevated than at the end of the last expansion. These include strong wage growth, higher inflation expectations, a falling dollar, and the lagged effect of higher home prices on rents. Consequently, we expect consumption deflation inflation to fall to 2.7% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2022, 
and 2.4% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2023, still well above the Federal Reserve's long-term target of 2%. At their meeting in June, the Federal Reserve projected that by the fourth quarter of this year, real GDP growth would be 7% year-over-year. The unemployment rate would be 4.5%, and consumption deflation inflation would be 3.4% year-over-year. When they meet later on this month, they will likely downgrade their growth forecast and project a somewhat higher unemployment rate. However, they will likely also have to increase their estimate of inflation. Given the recent deterioration in economic data and considerable uncertainty about fiscal matters, the Fed is unlikely to lay out a plan for tapering bond purchases at its September meeting. However, we expect that they will do so at their early November meeting, and will bring bond purchases down to zero by July of next year. This should open the door for a 0.25% increase in the federal funds rate in December 2022, followed by four more over the course of 2023. All of this, of course, will have an impact on corporate profits after a truly spectacular 2021, in which we now expect S&P 500 operating earnings to rise to nearly $200 per share, more than 25% above their 2019 record level. Profit growth should slow dramatically to low single-digit gains in both 2022 and 2023. And it's hard to forecast anything better, since companies will be facing accelerating wage costs, higher interest rates, slower revenue growth, and we assume an increase in the federal corporate income tax rate to 25% from its current 21%. However, slowing profit growth and particularly rising interest rates should lead to a renewed focus on valuations. The S&P 500 is currently trading at 21.5 times expected earnings over the next 12 months, far above its long-term average P.E. ratio. And the top 10 stocks in that index are trading at an even more elevated forward P.E. of over 30.7 times. By contrast, U.S. large-cap stocks are selling at 16.5 times forward earnings, and international stocks in general are selling at just 15.1 times forward earnings. If, as we fervently hope and expect, the economy can move past the pandemic over the next two years, with economies moving towards full employment and interest rates rising, these differences in valuations should become more apparent and should narrow. In a more competitive and more normal macroeconomic environment and with higher prevailing interest rates, assets which generate strong cash flows relative to the prices should appreciate relative to the high flyers of this extraordinarily difficult episode in modern history. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. If you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management unless otherwise stated as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated 
Copyright 2018, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Company.